Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Okay, good to have you tuning in tonight. Golden Knights and Penguins 2-2 late in the second period. Just over two minutes to go. That's a big one for Edmonton, preferably for the Oilers. The Golden Knights lose, and they lose in regulation time. But right now, they're in a tie. Still about 22 minutes left in the game. Also late in the second period, Mini leading Columbus 2-1. And early in the second period, Islanders now up 3-1 on the Jets. Goals, uh, what are we at? 40 seconds apart early in the second period for Bailey and Lee to give the Islanders the advantage there. The Jets actually only have six shots on goal. Later, Capitals and Canucks. Tomorrow, Oilers and Lightning at Rogers Place. It's on 6.30, Chet, of course. Face-off show at 6.30, and the game is at 8. He joins us every two weeks here on Inside Sports, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. It is Craig McTavish checking in. Mac T, how are you doing? Hi, good, Reed. Thank you. Just, uh... Catching up on uh, Pittsburgh and Vegas here, the battle of the uh, Oil King goalies, Brassois against Jari tonight. Yes, that's. A, I'm glad you brought up that angle. Yeah, and Brassois, who knows how long he, how much he's going to have to play now. Leonard has, uh, last I saw, he's getting some kind of lower body issue looked at. So that can yeah. be vital here going down the stretch for sure. Hey, uh, before we dive into some of the other storylines and the games coming up here for the Oilers, I, I think I got a flashback to Wednesday, Craig, and what you thought because there were a lot of really cool stories in that game. And just from a pure entertainment perspective, I thought front to back that was an awesome game to watch. Yeah, it really was. It was. Uh, I went to the game with my daughter, so we we enjoyed it immensely. There was, I mean, it was good to see Zach Cassian back in the lineup, and he. He definitely uh, gave the lineup a jolt of energy. He had a lot more jump in his step than what what he had previously before he got uh, the puck in the cheek. But uh, and he just he adds so much, and uh, you know, and and in combination with Brad Malone was fantastic. Brad Malone is really happy for him uh, to get that goal on a great pass from Cass from behind the net. Little crossbody one timer for Brad. That, I mean, he hasn't scored, as Jack said, since uh, 2015 in the NHL. So I always share, and I think most people do, for players that have that level of perseverance. He's been such a good uh, role model for our prospects down in Bakersfield, too, as well. So that was good to see. Backstrom got his 1,000th point on that. On, uh, Oshie's goal, Oshie, I was saying to uh, Jason Strudwick between the second and third that that's the one guy that worries me in close games because he's such a gamer, that DJ Oshie. And uh, sure enough, he ended up uh, he, he ended up tying the game, as you know, and then, uh, you know, he gave the puck away. Leon checked him on the, on the OT winners, too, as well, that Connor scored. So he, he had a big impact. 
Uh, and the and the Caps bench was obviously complaining about that. I thought it was a legal yeah. play. Obviously, you know, we had discussion here at Edmonton about the uh, Ovechkin hook on Hyman when Hyman likely would have scored an empty net goal. I, look, sometimes we talk about the the refs. You know, Rob and I have done it a few times on overtime open line more extensively than other nights. Um, you know, when you see that, do you just chalk it up? Do they miss some? Do you get a little frustrated? What did you think? Oh, I was I was really uh, frustrated with the officiating throughout the night, and uh, in particular the the, uh, the Hyman play. And then there was a little can opener in overtime. I can't remember whether it was to Leon or Connor uh, that could have been called, but there's no way they could call that penalty on Leon after letting what they let go in in, in overtime and. I was I was frustrated uh, by the quality of the officiating that night for sure. So uh, take us. Uh, I won't spend a lot of time on officiating because I, I, I want to talk yeah. about other stuff. But I will ask you one more question about it, if specifically from when you were a manager. Uh, what high level discussions would you have, or how would you voice your concerns if you felt there was a game or two where the referees didn't have good nights? You could go to Wacom. Uh, they're they're pretty open for the, for a, a call the next day. Uh, Cole and Campbell, there if if you really have a gripe, but you know there's not much you can do about it. And uh, you know, sure, you like the vent a little bit. Uh, the, the referees. I mean, there used to be times where managers would go down to the referee room after the game to, to get a pound of flesh. But those are, you know, heavily regulated now, and big fines and big penalties if uh, if you uh, get caught up in any of that type of behavior. But it 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 can be a real source of uh, of frustration. I mean, for me, I you know I hated the uh, arrogance and incompetence. <laughs> like, <laughs> Those those two things in tandem, I could put up with a, a, a good guy that wasn't a great official, or uh, you know, an arrogant guy who was a really good official. But uh, the, the the arrogance and the incompetence was the the two qualities that drove me crazy. And, and I mean, I think all coaches and managers, they all have certain officials that. Uh, you know, you, you don't have good experiences with. I mean, uh, there was always a, a few of those guys. Tim Peel uh, would be one for me. There was Mark, uh, I can't even remember his last name, French-Canadian guy. Oh, uh, Jonette, maybe? Jonette, yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, he used to drive me crazy, but, uh, you know, for, for, for whatever reason, you know, I, I used to, be pretty verbal to the officials as a coach, uh, but I always kind of tried to do it strategically. I mean, you can go overboard where they really try and uh, hammer you, and they're pretty pretty vindictive. But uh, you know, over the years we've had lot, lots of issues. I remember one year with uh, Koharski in uh, Winnipeg, we had. He, he, I mean, in my, I was a player. I was, in my mind, he, he was doing a terrible job. And 
So the game got out of hand. So, uh, you know, I didn't care about taking a penalty or anything like that. So I really went after him. And uh, he said, he said to me at the time, he said, okay, you, you, you're not going to get penalized tonight for this because it doesn't matter, but I'm doing your game tomorrow night in Calgary and you're going to get it tomorrow. <laughs> so that ended up uh, going pretty, pretty uh, viral. Obviously I, I said something to slots and, you know, I mean, he chased it up the food chain and they were, all the officials were killing us for, for quite a period of time after that. But, uh, you know, it can be a frustrating part of the game. There's, but I think as the coach, you really have to manage your uh, relationship with the officials and uh, it can be really, uh, really beneficial. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to say this, Craig, um, as you know, in all the years I've covered hockey, I, I've ne- like as a hockey media person, you're never that close to the bench during the game. Like even when I covered the AJHL, it's a smaller rink in Lloydminster, and you might hear some stuff, but you're still a few rows back. But some of my best experiences in seeing how coaches interact with officials was when I did, I think I did five or six seasons of play-by-play for U of A basketball, and you call the game from courtside. And specifically for a lot of the years, I called the game about eight feet from Don Horwood. So I'm sure you can imagine that I got a pretty good lesson in interacting with officials. Yeah. Yeah. No, some, some coaches are just masterful at it. And, uh, they, they really, uh, they, they have a greater influence by the way they conduct themselves, uh, with, with the officials and manage those relationships uh, for sure. Okay, Craig Tab is joining yeah. us on Inside Sports. Okay, off off the officiating for a second here. Um, I, I want to talk to you about the, the one common word that gets used a lot when we talk about how coaches put line combinations together is that there's maybe been a shift in the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 years, maybe longer, you can tell me, uh, about looking for pairs and... I thought I, I've always thought that Drysaddle and Hyman would be a great pair, and I'm glad we got to see them together against the Capitals because I thought they were excellent. And Hyman probably could have had two or three if not for Samsonov. Tell me a little bit about your view on uh, pairs when putting together forward line combinations. Yeah, I was more. I mean, our lines were pretty. When, when we had success, I was more. Uh, focused on on everybody on the line not just twos i mean we had hemsky horkoff and ryan smith were a really good line uh, um we had uh fernando pasanjaka and Rafi that were a really good line um so uh, and then we had uh moral marchant and greer who were really effective together so we, I didn't. I don't like to change the lines up too, too much. Obviously, it's totally based on performance, and you know if it's not working, you're going to have to try and do something. And uh, to your point about the pairs, I think the rotation is, you know, the the, uh, the 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 they keep the pairs together, and they'll rotate another player or two out to try and change. Uh, the, the performance level of the lines. But ideally, 
as a coach, you don't like to change the lines because you really only change them when things aren't working. But uh, I was more focused on the chemistry amongst the three of them. Yeah, well, I mean, you like to think that McDavid and Drysdale could play with almost anybody, or almost anybody could, could play with them. Well, but for sure. Uh, and yeah. I, I mean, and and Connor, I think Connor doesn't get the same quality of line mate that maybe Leon gets at times because of the fact that he he can you know he's going to drive a line himself just by the way that he plays. But if he, I mean, you see how effective he is when he does get dry sidled with other guys that he can really trade the puck with. But uh, he's so good that at some at times I think that uh, you know he 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 has to. I mean, it's an unselfish uh, part of of him too that he's he'll he, he'll you know he'll take that task and take that challenge on where. He can carry a player. I mean, when Gretz was in his heyday, Slots used to move him around, and nobody ever really had a slump because you play with him, and you know, next thing you know, you've got the puck on your stick in an empty net. And uh, you know, Slots used to get guys out of slumps by rolling Gretzky on uh, the third and fourth line. And I think you know, when they do go with the eleven forwards, it, it, it that helps too. That that uh, gets the your uh, 10th and 11th forward, a real quality player to play with at times. All right. We're going to call a quick timeout here. Uh, Craig McTavis okay. is checking in courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. More with Mac T when we get back. Golden Knights and Penguins 2-2 after 2. Big third period coming up there. Oilers and Lightning tomorrow on 6.30. Chet. Craig McTavish is on the line. Okay, Craig, you know, I've been doing this. This is my ninth season doing this job. And I should have compiled all the emails and texts and uh, recorded all the trade suggestions I've got over the years. Because <laughs> that would make quite a book. <laughs> so, look, yeah. I, I, you and I aren't going to – you're not going to have another appearance on the show until after the trade deadline on the 21st. So, I'll ask you this tonight. Like, working on a trade, like GMs don't wake up the morning of the trade deadline. They're like, huh. I guess I'll do this. Like, how long does it take? How does how does the channels get open before a trade actually gets consummated? Just communication. You're you're you're, uh, you're calling all the managers. You know, compiling notes. What what they're thinking. What they're trying to do. What they're considering. And uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's 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 mining a deal. It's trying to come up with something that makes sense, that makes you better, and uh, it, it's just constant communication. You know, you see the managers around this time of year. I saw where Pierre Dorian was saying that uh, it's the quietest he's ever seen it, which is a, a little bit surprising for me. There are a couple, there are a couple teams I think that are really going to improve themselves. There's a couple players that I think are game changers, Giroud being one of them for sure. Somebody is going to get him and that's going to give them a real uh, boost and it's going to be one of the really good teams that takes them all back. But, uh, you know, I, I would think there's going to be quite a few deals. I'm going to Toronto for the trade deadline show on Sportsnet, so I hope there's some action. 
you can't tell stories the the whole time. But it, it's you know. Things change too, right? Like it's it's a it's a dynamic uh, time of year for the managers. I remember the, the one year when we traded Jeff Petrie. I mean, he really it it it, it didn't it didn't look like I was going to be able to move him. And uh, you know, it was it was uh, Montreal. I think was focused on uh, Merrick Sidlicki out of New Jersey, but he had a no trade. He had okay to trade, and so then they came back, and then finally we got uh, some future assets for Jeff because I I thought you know at, at that time we might not be able to to trade him, and that was a pretty sleepless night. <laughs> But uh, there's, there's, uh, it's, it's a fun time for managers because you know you're, especially when you're adding to your team, and even for the sellers, I mean, you're, you're accumulating assets, and uh, it's, it's an exciting time. All right. So from an Oilers perspective, it, I mean, it doesn't sound like they're going to be able to get a goaltender. You and I have talked about that before. Easier said than done. W- would you look at? beefing up the defense like we know Sherratt's available out of Montreal I don't know if the Oilers will go there sounds like the Oilers have been looking at maybe a guy like Justin Braun is is that a like because I don't want to get fans hopes up here Craig but is there a realistic deal out there you think well they're in a a real similar position to what the Oilers were in in 2006 where there's no guarantee of getting into the playoffs. I mean, Kevin pulled all those trades, which were, you know, huge for us. I mean, it, it was, uh, you know, completely changed the complexion of the group uh, by getting Rollison. I mean, he ended up being the best player in the first three playoff series. I mean, it was huge. It, it, it was no foregone conclusion that we were getting in the playoffs, and we made a lot of moves uh, at the time. And I think it, it gets down to the, the current Oilers. You know, what's I think it's pretty important that they get into the playoffs. I, I mean, I, I think they've they've, they've uh, I mean, it'd be really good for the team and the fans and so forth. I think it's very important that they get in. I think they will. But, uh, you know, the, the reason a lot of, you and I have talked about it before, we've, we've, we've squandered a lot of second-round picks over the years. Um, I think we talked about seven of them. Mm-hmm. We, you know, for, for a couple for uh, Peter, and, one for Peter, one for Todd McClellan, a couple for Athanasu. Uh, you know, Talbot was a second round pick. Um, and you know, David Perron was a, a, a second round pick thrown in. And those, those are really important players in today's game because of your depth. So that's the balance. And you want to strike the right balance, you don't want to squander your futures and your depth in your organization by always trading your second round picks. and that's normally the currency that it takes at least. And, uh, you know, first-round picks are, are tough to get for that reason. I mean, the, the teams that really think they're going to win the Cup would, would part with a first-round pick because, you know, it's obviously going to be 30th or 31st or 32nd. Some, 
something like that. But I think Kenny's, uh, I mean, the, the, the answers aren't obvious. I mean, uh, I don't know what the discussions are that he's having with the other managers, but I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not a slam dunk that uh, he's going to be able to do something. I think he will do something, but I, 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 I don't think it's a slam dunk. Yeah. Craig, the only bad thing about this segment is we got to wrap it up because we've run out of time, but I can tell you you have proven oh. that you are neither arrogant nor incompetent. Yeah, well, <laughs> you wouldn't get a 100% agreement with that. But <laughs> <laughs> right on. No, it's always a pleasure catching up. appreciate the, uh, the, the, the bi-monthly chats. Right? Look forward to the game tomorrow night. you got Tampa coming in, two-game losing streak. Those, those, those are wounded tigers coming in, and they're awful dangerous in no situation. So the others, I'm looking forward to Archibald getting back in, playing with Malone and Cassian. It's going to be a, a very energetic line, I think. And uh, so lots, lots to watch tomorrow night. Right on. That is Craig McTavish, courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. And we'll talk more about the lightning with Dave Randor for the next half hour. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.